There's a story told by Carlos Valles, a Spanish priest uh, serving in India. Uh, One day he was riding his bicycle through the Indian countryside when all of a sudden uh, he, he realized that it had become eerily still and quiet. You know, one of those moments where it seems like nature is just stopped. Sensing danger, he, he hopped off of his bike and he, and he looked around for what could be causing this. And, and he quickly realized what it was. There in, in the grass by the side of the road, a, a giant cobra had, had lifted itself up out of the grass with its hood unfurled. And the, the cobra's gaze was fixed on this nearby branch. And on this branch sat a bird. The bird was completely paralyzed. The bird had wings but could not fly. It had a voice but could not sing. It was frozen stiff. It could not escape even though it had the whole entire sky. (laughs) Carlos realized he had to do something so he started waving his arms frantically to try to disturb the air. He shouted loud human sounds. Finally the combination of the two worked and the bird flew off freed from its Paralysis while the cobra slithered away in the grass. Now, this is not just a story, but this is a parable. (laughs) Because we are that bird in so many ways. Many of us have found or find ourselves paralyzed. Some of us are immobilized by fear or despair or hopelessness or shame, or or some other dark feeling. Some of us get trapped or stuck in in addictive or destructive ruts of behavior. Sometimes life circumstances leave us in almost a a kind of state of of atrophy where our life muscles are, are too weak to move. Some of us feel stuck in our relationship with, with others. Some of us may even feel stuck in our relationship with God. As a result, we become like that bird. We become stuck, paralyzed. We have wings, but we do not fly. We have a voice, but we do not sing. We long, we long for, for wholeness and freedom. Fortunately for us, God in Jesus Christ confronts us with a powerful but challenging question. As we continue in our God Question Sermon series, the question Jesus asks us today is this. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, so that we might live for you and bear fruit for your kingdom. As we pray in Christ's name, amen. Today's scripture passage comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Listen for God's word. After this, there was a Jewish festival, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, in the north city wall, is a pool with the aromatic name Bethesdad. It had five covered porches, and a crowd of people who were sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed sat there. A certain man was there who had been sick for 38 years. 
When Jesus saw him lying there, knowing that he had already been there a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? The sick man answered him, sir, I don't have anyone who can put me in the water when it is stirred up. When I'm trying to get to it, someone else has gotten in ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Immediately, the man was well and he picked up his mat and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. It was said that that pool at Bethesda could heal people. That pool was located in Jerusalem, uh, north of the temple. And if archaeologists have actually excavated it, and if you go there today, you can actually see it for yourself. But it wasn't just a Jewish healing place. Evidence suggests that, that even non-Jews regarded it as a sacred sh- uh, site, almost a shrine of sorts. And the way it worked was like this. The waters would occasionally bubble up in the pool. Some people reckoned that an angel stirred the waters. And when that bubbling happened, the first person to get into the water would supposedly be healed. It seems like this shrine had, had mixed results at best. Just enough to tease, but not enough to completely transform. The place spoke of the possibility of miraculous healing, but it was at best sporadic and at worst an idle dream. Maybe it was like the, the, the first century equivalent of, of a televangelist healing ministry. In any case, this pool's faint promise has kept a paralyzed man there, stuck for 38 years. I mean, can you imagine? 38 years, day after day, the same routine of being by this pool with no change in condition. It's really complicated and and puzzling, isn't it? I mean, on the one hand, like we feel really bad for this man who is paralyzed. On the other hand, we, we can't help but wonder, you know, if something hasn't worked for 38 years, like wouldn't you, wouldn't you try something else? Wouldn't you do something a little bit different, figure out a different plan? I mean, what do you have to lose? Jesus enters the scene where crowds of people who were sick and blind and lame and paralyzed sat by that water. And of all the people in the crowd, Jesus fixes his attention on this man who he knows has been there a really long time. Now in other healings, Jesus oftentimes just does something immediately. In still other healings, the the person in need of healing cries out in desperation to Jesus, Jesus, help me. Jesus, heal me. Not in this case. No. Jesus asks the man this question do you want to get well do you want to get well what an insensitive question right (laughs) at least it seems like that I mean this poor man could have rightfully uh, come back with some sarcastic response like nope you know what sir actually I really enjoy being here paralyzed completely unable to move for 38 years (laughs) and if we're not careful we might actually take Jesus's question and its implications a little too far and think to ourselves uh, universally well if someone's not experiencing healing or if someone is stuck they must just not want it bad enough but but Jesus 
knows more here. This man is paralyzed in more ways than one. He's physically paralyzed, but it also seems like he is paralyzed by despair and hopelessness. He's spiritually paralyzed. His faith is stuck on the magic waters of that pool that he has yet to experience. He's mentally paralyzed, unable to to imagine, to conceive of another way forward, another way to live. Here lies a man whose hopes have been so so thwarted that he can scarcely find energy even to desire a different future. He's, in a way, making a way of life out of his long wait for healing. He's grown accustomed to it, and dare we even say, found some comfort and, and, and safety even in misery. We get some of this from the man's response to Jesus. Do you want to get well, or do you want to be made whole? Wouldn't the man simply uh, answer quickly and decisively, yes, Lord, yes, please. Instead, the, the man makes a list of excuses. I, I don't have anyone to put me in the water when it is stirred up. When I'm trying to get in it, you know, someone else has, has gotten in ahead of me. The man responds in terms of set ideas about how things happen and how he has been consistently been frustrated. He, he, he can see no other way beyond that pool. So the very idea that healing can even come has to be renewed. The very idea that healing can come itself has to be renewed. Do you want to get well? It's a question, pointed question for us too. It, it may even feel a bit insensitive, but it confronts us in all the right ways. First, the question refocuses us on the one who is able to bring healing and wholeness and freedom beyond paralysis. Remember, this man's focus has been on the waters and the sporadic promise of that pool for 38 years. Feudal years. It failed to deliver. A similar thing happens today. Think about all the promises of freedom and wholeness that our world offers. Self-help books, self-appointed gurus, uh, new, new age philosophies, uh, vague spirituality, virtual realities and virtual worlds that we can create and customize for ourselves to live in, political theories, things we can buy. Friends, they don't seem to be working too well, do they? Overpromising and under-delivering. Because more and more people live paralyzed by fear and despair and addiction and guilt and shame and loneliness and anger and meaninglessness. And yet we're still, we're still hypnotized on the Bethesda pools of our day. Fortunately, along comes Jesus offering us true freedom and healing and wholeness to those paralyzed in different ways to offer us abundant life. That is what to be made well means in the Gospel of John. To be made well in Jesus Christ is to be given that abundant life that God infuses all creation with. When Jesus asks the question, do you want to be made well, it is meant to shift our attention and focus from the waters that may or may not deliver to the one who has already stirred forth the possibility for freedom and wholeness and healing through his life, death, and resurrection. 
it reminds me of some early dog training that we did with our dog Harper in a canine good citizen obedience class. And one of the things that we learned and practiced was how to immediately command Harper's attention when she was distracted by other things like squirrels or skateboards or other dogs. And, and we were taught to hold a, a dog biscuit in our hand like this right up near our eyes and say firmly, Harper, look! And when she did, we would then offer her and reward her with the treat. And so eventually it got to the point where on walks, uh, like well, we could be walking on a leash and, and she might become fixated and obsessed on something like another dog walking by or a squirrel and we could snap her out of it by saying, Harper, look! That's what Jesus is doing with this question. Do you want to be made well? Is Jesus saying, people, look. People, look. Look at me. I'm the one who can truly bring healing and wholeness. It's to, to snap us out of our obsession, our, our enchantment with lesser promises. Do you want to be made well brings with it the real hope that we can, in fact, with Jesus, live beyond whatever is paralyzing us because Jesus is the one who initiates the possibility. Jesus heals this man, not because of this man's uh, amazing, tremendous faith. Jesus heals out of sheer grace in a flash. Jesus does what this pool stood for but has un been unable to do successfully. All the initiative is on Jesus' side. And, and, we still have to want to change. And so the question also forces us to face the challenge of change. Do you want to get well? Asks us, do you want to change? When we're stuck, when we're paralyzed, when we're in a rut like this man, sometimes we don't want the challenges that change will bring. We're so accustomed to our predictable, safe patterns of living that become, we become unaware that there is way more that God is calling us to. We get so accustomed to the familiar, even when the familiar is a state of paralysis. Sometimes the familiar paralysis or, or rut is easier to cope with than a cure that represents an unknown or an uncertain future. In other words, sometimes it's like we prefer the sickness to the cure. Are we really willing to let go of an old way of life, old habits? Or are we so accustomed to the present state and so afraid of what transformation would mean that we really don't want to change? One of my favorite images for the change that God wants to work in us is that of a living house that God wants to renovate. C.S. Lewis writes, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild the house. At first, perhaps you can understand what God is doing. He's getting the drains right and, and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. And you knew that those things needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But, but presently, God starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts and, and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that God is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. 
throwing out a new wing here, putting in an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a nice, decent little cottage. But God is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. Sometimes we don't want the comfort, sometimes we don't want the the discomfort, rather, the discomfort and the surprise of God changing us. We, we don't want to deal with the renovation. Sometimes we avoid uh, allowing God to change the very parts of us in our lives that would allow us to be more whole. Maybe we're unwilling to tell the truth about ourselves, that something isn't as it should be and needs to change. Hard to change if we don't name the problem. Hard to, to heal if we don't acknowledge sickness. Maybe we prefer the sympathy we get when talking about our struggles. Maybe we prefer the fleeting pleasure of a destructive addiction or habit. Maybe we play the blame game and don't want to take responsibility for the rut that we're in. The truth is, like this man, if we want to make the shift from, from a life of paralysis into the the wholeness and freedom that Jesus offers, we have to confront the challenge of change. One final invitation from this question. Do you want to get well? Invites the risk of obedience. Despite this man's misplaced faith, his excuses, and initial resistance to change, Jesus desires to heal him and make him whole. Do you want to get well? Is followed by, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus asks him to do the very thing that he has been unable to do for 38 years. Jesus asks him to do the very thing that this pool has not been able to do for him for 38 years. This instruction was aimed at encouraging the paralytic to live more freely and fully beyond his paralysis, and all the forms that it took. In other words, he engages this man in the miracle itself. I mean, it must have taken some courage and some trust. Imagine all the what-ifs running through this man's mind. I'm sure he, he wondered if Jesus could be trusted. After all, what made him different from all the people who hadn't helped him for the last 38 years get in the pool? Whatever he may have been feeling or, or thinking, the bottom line is the man ultimately took the risk of obedience. He picked up his mat and he started walking. Would the miracle have happened if the man had not taken that risk? While, all the, while the healing was Jesus' initiative, the man still had to act on it because God's miracles are an act of sheer grace to which we must respond. Clearly, Jesus initiates here. It's not this man's strong faith that prompts Jesus' healing. It's Jesus' gracious healing that prompts the risk of obedience and trust in response for it to be truly complete. Wholeness and healing become what God wants them to be for us when we take a step of risky obedience. When we risk doing what God asks us to do, even in the midst of our stuckness, when we cooperate with God's power and God's invitation. 
So, do you want to get well? Do you want to be whole? Call it insensitive, call it pointed, Jesus asks it anyway. I I don't know how or if you might be paralyzed or stuck right now. I don't know how you might be experiencing a kind of life atrophy. But, you know, maybe maybe Jesus' question is, is just enough to break the spell. Because the good news is this. Grace for healing, wholeness, and freedom comes without us deserving it. Comes sometimes when we're not seeking it. Comes even when we have given up on it. And so may we, like the man paralyzed in more ways than one, get up, pick up our mat, and walk into a brand new future with Jesus. May we find our wings and fly again. May we find our voice and sing once more. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.